format of this meeting is two 10-minute speakers and a main speaker. Our first 10-minute speaker is John L. My name is John Lincoln. I'm an alcoholic. I'd like to thank Mary for asking me to speak. Um, speaking just always reminds me of boxing. I, uh, I want to do it. I just want to do it tonight. And, um, you know, um, I'd like to welcome you people in your first 30 days and you people in your last 30 days. That door swings both ways. Uh, it was very apparent to me when I got here, <clears throat> I didn't think I was an alcoholic. I'd been arrested 12 times. There are three cars going the same street, but uh, that could happen to anybody. Uh, but it was very apparent. I was very uncomfortable. It was very apparent to me that you people knew something I didn't know. And, um, and that's what I've learned here in AA is to live my life comfortably without drinking or using anything. And, um, you know, um, it's funny, um, Culver City Courthouse used to be, uh, right across the street. I had three separate arrests pending against me and one in West LA. I got arrested every other week for two months. And uh, I didn't think I had a problem. It was my solution. Uh, I hated life. Sixties um, were so turbulent. They shot everybody. Um, the Vietnam War, uh, I don't hate our veterans. I just hated that war. And, um, you know, uh, I, I really, uh, looking back, I don't know how I survived from 68 to 70, the things I was doing, <clears throat> the people I was running with. Um, uh, I remember I got in a fight. I got choked unconscious uh, in the fight. Uh, um, if he'd held on just for a little bit longer, I wouldn't be here, you know. And uh, anyway, so, um, you know, like I said, um, you know, um, it's over uh, 37 years now in um, Class 84. Some of us stayed, some of us whore were the Class 84. And that was very important in my sobriety was uh, uh, I wasn't talking to anybody. I was very grim. I was sitting in the back of Ohio Street, you know, not talking to anybody, trying to figure it out. And uh, uh, Jill and Andy and I, uh, we started hanging out, and they got me to go to the yard. And, uh, and then... Um, you know, they helped me a lot, and um, and then I um, I had this great golden retriever, and we'd go for a walk on Sunday, and we'd go to Venice Beach or to, to the Santa Monica Promenade every Sunday, and I'd always see Mike Dixon walking with a different good-looking girl. <laughs> I wonder what he had. And... Uh, and so uh, I hooked up with Mike, and Mike was on fire about AA, and he still is, and he helped me so much, you know what I mean? And uh, it's important to get people that are in the center of AA in your life, you know, and uh, here in the Pacific group and any other group you're in, you know I mean? Don't stay on the outside like I, I did for a while. You know I mean? Get in the middle and do everything, and, uh, you know... Um, and uh, it's a good life, you know. I mean, uh, I, um, I, uh, like I said, you know, I was born here in Santa Monica in 1948. I'm 73. 
And uh, my mom was orphaned in the Great Depression and uh, moved out here from the great state of Indiana and uh, had me. I never knew my father. <clears throat> I heard he came to see me one time, but that was it. He, uh, I, uh, my relatives, when they became comfortable with me, told me later that uh, my dad dropped my mom for a rich blonde. That's why my mother never talked about him. But uh, anyway, uh, so uh, I grew up, and uh, <clears throat> nothing special about me. High school dropout, just a drinking and using and uh, going to jail. And then, um, you know, uh, and Gabe always says I talk about boxing. And he's he's kind of right. You know why? Because the first time in my life, I was 26, I did something. I, I absolutely loved boxing. And not the violence, like Nelson Mandela says, but the science of boxing. And I absolutely loved it. And uh, when I was 26, I go, if I don't do it this year, I'm never going to do it. So I started training down on 78th and Hoover, and I was about the only white boy down there. And my whole life, I've never fit in or felt, I've always felt uncomfortable. But I tell you, when I got to that door to go into that gym, that was my world. I fit in for once, man. I won the diamond belt, I won the AU, I won the golden gloves. When I won the golden gloves, I knocked out the, this defector from the Yugoslavian boxing team. That's how long ago it was. Um, there's no more Yugoslavia. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, he was having, a, he had 102 fights. I had my 12th or 13th fight, and uh, I had to go to the doctor and day to fight. Uh, sick to my stomach with fear. And, um, Everything can be said about boxing is my easiest fight, and I knock him out in the second round, get best fight of the tournament. Absolutely love boxing, but my point is I couldn't stop drinking. As much as I love boxing, I couldn't stop drinking. And it's a progressive disease. My drinking in 75 was a little different than it was in 79. And uh, I want to win the Golden Gloves again. I'm fighting Tony Seren the Olympic. He throws three punches. I cut the first two, slipped the th third, countered the body. Next thing I heard was six. And, um, you know, I, um, I, uh, I, um, I beat the count. And uh, next thing I know, the referee, Lou Filippo, is stopping the fight. And I'm, I'm shouting and pleading with him not to stop the fight. It's all over in 54 seconds. And uh, a couple of days later, I found out I was down twice. I don't remember anything about the second knockdown. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, victories are nice, but sometimes, same thing here in AA, victories are nice, but sometimes it's how you handle your defeats. And when I went down to that gym, I got sober finally. I went down to that all-black gym down in 7-8 and Hoover, and I'm not exaggerating. They all ran over to shake my hand because they seen me get up twice. And they knew I loved boxing. Maybe I loved it more than my own life. I loved it like they did. And, uh, and I, got, I probably got more respect for losing that fight the way I did than if I'd won it. Because they knew I absolutely loved boxing. And uh, I, uh, after I quit boxing, I really started drinking. Like I said, it was a progressive disease. And, uh, you know, I was living with this girl, and um, she got sick of me, and uh, took off, and uh, I was kind of happy, now I could really drink, you know, and, uh, you know, I, 
So I'm, uh, you know, I just, I just, I went from middleweight to a heavyweight and a heartbeat, and uh, you know, I, um, I hurt my back, so I'm soaking in the tub, and I'm looking at me, and I go, "What the hell happened to me?" And uh, I mean, one time I was a middleweight, now I'm a heavyweight, and I mean, it's like, and that started the process of thinking that something was wrong with my life, something's wrong, and, uh, you know, I, um, I, um, ended up in AA, my friend Marvin, he, he lives right down the street from me, I live, uh, two minutes from here, and, uh, he came, he saw me working one day, I'm a gardener, I'm a tree service, and, you know, he's all on that spiritual high a lot of people get, that, that pink cloud when they first get sober. And, uh, you know, he gave me a Diet Pepsi, and he's talking to me, to me and, go, and I quit drinking on my own. And this is how I know I'm an alcoholic. Instead of my life getting better, I got, my life turned into a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. I was sick to my stomach. I, everything I ate went right through me. And Marvin, he goes, Marvin, yeah, yeah, come to A, man. It's about not drinking. I go, Marvin, I'm not drinking. And then I needed AA, and I started going to AA with them, and there was cookies to eat and girls to stare at, so I kept coming back. And, um, and my mom didn't make it. We married about six years ago. And, um, uh, man, that's part of life, man. Me, me and Marvin, I love Marvin. He's one of my best friends, and uh, we chased the girls, drank. Partied, wrestled, boxed. Man, we did it all, man. And, um, and this disease got him. But he got me here and I've stayed here. And, uh, you know, um, until I started boxing, like I said, I never did a thing, you know what I mean? I got sober and I went to the International in uh, Montreal and uh, <clears throat> Clancy spoke there and that was 1985. And, um, you know, I, I, I learned traveling isn't so difficult. And uh, I've been to Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, uh, Holland, Germany, Switzerland. And, you know, um, I'm not rich, but I know how to do things cheap. Last time I uh, flew to uh, Thailand, uh, two, two, three years ago, I uh, booked it nine months in advance for 5.59 and round trip. And um, so, you know what I mean? So I get out there, I knew it. And that's one thing AA's taught me, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, um, anyway, it's time to stop. And uh, I know I owe everything in my life to AA. I had no life before this. And uh, I'd like to thank you all for my life. And a newcomer, stay here. Thank you. second 10-minute speaker is Bobby Joe A. Bobby Joe alcoholic. Thank you, Mary, for asking me to participate tonight. Um, John, that was great, but I couldn't hear anything because I'm sitting up here thinking or sitting there thinking, what am I going to say? It's always so nerve-wracking. You know, I've been here 
I'm going to be eight years sober, and I've been here, and it's still, I mean, I know half this room, if not everybody, and it's still nerve-wracking, right? Um, you know, I grew up in Montebello. I don't speak Spanish. I'm Hispanic. My sponsor, Yvonne, speaks more Spanish than me, you know? Um, and that was a resentment. Like, I, I grew up with a lot of resentments. Um, I've always felt alone. Even in, in a house full of people, I felt alone. I had tons of friends. I felt alone. Um, I don't know why. Like, today, I when I could walk in this room, and it's it's weird. I come in early. I sit with my sponsor, and I have I don't feel any different than anybody in this room. Nobody grew up the way I did. Maybe some have, but I just feel like we're kindred spirits, and that's comfortable for me. You know, it really is. And, um, you know, um, I was a heavy drinker plus other things, you know, outside issues that, that got me to survive my life. In my head, my life was horrible. Like, my dad was a demon. I mean, he lives with me. I still think he's a demon, but I love him today. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's one of the gifts, right? Because I was not an easy daughter. You know, and um, I've never told this, but um, at 14, I was arrested, and I was going to court. And I don't know what's going on, and, you know, I always had jewelry on, and we're in court, and I'm just, you know, I'm 14. I don't know what they're going to do. And next thing I know, the, the, the bailiff comes to me, and the judge says something, 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 and I'm just like, what's going on? And they start telling me to take off my jewelry, and I look at my dad, and my mom's crying, and my dad is kind of crying, and they give him my jewelry. And I'm shackled and I'm being hauled off to juvie and you know my sister had told me when you know a couple of years after that you know do you realize how you hurt pop and that he he went crying home for like that whole time and um I was just like well he deserved it like he should never had me arrested all those times right I mean today I I look at him and and I'm I'm grateful that I get to take care of him I'm grateful because, you know, that, that I was not an easy child. Um, you know, I had kids. I thought those kids were going to save me, and unfortunately, they did not. They just ran the life with me, and, um, you know, I lost them in Mexico. Well, I kind of placed them there, but, you know, they weren't necessarily lost. But, you know, they, they got stuck there for about 10 months, and, how do you deal with that, right? I dealt with it the way I knew how, and I drank and I used all I could just to forget about that. That's how I am. And today when my kids, when we have issues, I don't need to put anything in my body to deal with them. I get to talk to them. I get to tell them, I love you. I'm here. I'm sorry. You know, and, and that's just because of AA. Um, you know, I had an accident once. There have been a lot of times where my family is like, what are you doing? You know, you could have. You know, I, I was in an accident. I don't remember because I had a concussion. I know we were drinking, and we were on our way to go get more beer. And I don't know. All I know is I ended up in county hospital, and uh, my sister picked me up, and they, they told her that I was like a little war soldier. I just kept repeating my information and her number, and that was it. Like, her phone number and my information, and that's all I could say. And... Um, she got me home, and she was like, do you realize if the kids were in the car? And I was like, but they weren't. It's okay. You know, and um, I think about that now. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that those kids weren't in the car with me while we were driving to go get more beer. But that's how it was, you know. And um, today I get to think about stuff like that. I don't have road rage anymore sometimes. 
But I get you think about that, right? My kids, when they're in their car, they're like, Mom. And I'm like, I know. And I just let people pass me, and I'm like, and sometimes it slips, and then I see it's an older person driving, I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry. You know, but that's great, because they get to see the growth in me, and, and that's what I love about AA. It's not only that I'm growing, but I get to show them, right? Um, you know, how I got sober was the... DCFS came involved in my life. You know, I had four kids. They took that youngest one, and that was the eye-opener. Like, it was different when I placed my kids with my sister to watch them, and I had access to them. But when somebody comes and tells you, like, no, you're not going to watch them. They're, they're removed from your custody. That I was just kind of like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I don't like this part. So, you know, I got into program, and um, I didn't think I was an alcoholic. I knew I had issues with outside issues, but I never thought I was an alcoholic. And it's amazing, right? I love H&I panels because that's where it happened for me. Um, I heard my sponsor, and um, I, her story is just amazing. I love it, and it just hit me. And, and I was like, oh, should I ask her? And my best friend was like, yeah, ask her, ask her. So I asked her, and man, if you know Yvonne, you know she just like swoops you in, and you're just like in the middle of it, whether you want to or not. And I'm so afraid. I'm a people pleaser that I was just like, okay, okay, yeah. You know, and I'm going to Mountain High. I'm meeting people, you know, and, and it's all still uncomfortable because I don't think I'm like you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm different. I'm not educated. I'm a dropout. I'm trash. I'm this, like, everything that would play in my head on the person I thought I was. And um, little by little, little by little, you know, um, I just turned around and I started doing this thing. I listened to my sponsor. We were talking about it a little while ago, like how many times she was like, do you need a new sponsor? And I was like, no, I don't. And, you know, and, and I fall in line because I don't want a, spon a new sponsor. I love my sponsor. And just because she gives me a direction that I don't like, I just keep my mouth quiet and I do it, you know. And that's all I can do. I've learned, like, just to shut up and do what she says. And um, that's different than what I've always known. I think she's the only one I've ever listened to in my life like that. Thank you, Yvonne. I really, I really, really love you. Thank you. Um, you know, life today is nothing like it was. I get to smile and, like, genuinely love who I am. I remember a couple of years ago when I told Yvonne, like, for the first time I felt comfortable at work. And, I, you know, where I work, everybody's educated, you know. I mean, it's a county job. Everybody's been there for years and this and that. And here I am. I barely got in. Like, my investigator that was doing my background check, he told my sponsor, like, uh, like, he didn't know what to say. Like, he did not want to, like, put me in that job. But he just seen that transformation. He even asked me one time, he was like, I don't understand. How did you get your cases dismissed? And I was like, I don't know. He was like, did you know the judge? And I'm like, no. You know, God's always done for me. And I don't know why. I don't I don't question it. It just is what it is. And, and um, you know, it's funny because... I cleared out my warrants. I thought I cleared out all my warrants. And then just recently, December, I found out I had another warrant. And um, that's how lucky I am, right? Because with that background check, if that warrant would have showed up, I would have never got in my position. It automatically would have disqualified me. I don't know how it happened or what, but 
I did what AAs taught me to do. I cleared out that warrant. I made time. I went out to San Bernardino. I said, here I am. The judge was like, Alva, this is a 2009 case. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, I can't even read it. Do you have your driver's license? And I was like, yeah. She's like, dismissed. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Thank you, right? Like, thank you. It just, I, I wish that the investigator would have been like, how does it happen? I don't know, you know? I don't know. Um, you know, um, like I said, my father, you know, my mom passed away when I was 18. You know, this disease took her out. Um, my dad lives with me, and um, it's hard. It's hard to have so many years of resentment towards somebody to blame one person for my whole life being just horrible to be able to look at him while he's laying down and have love for him and be like darn you know i'm blessed to be able to do that and that's aa right um today life is is amazing i go to work i go to a meeting i go home i take care of my kids i mean it sounds boring but it's actually not it's like i don't have to worry about if i'm driving i'm going to get arrested or am i going to get a ticket or um I have to pay this person, or where am I going to find money for this, you know? I, I went on a vacation while my sponsor took me to Belize. That was amazing. I've never left L.A. County. Well, San Bernardino, but that doesn't count. <laughs> that don't count. Um... You know, it's like these experiences, and now I'm like trying, my daughter's going to be 18, and I'm, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to take her on a cruise. You know, I feel like I'm all, you know, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm, I don't know, I'm a traveler now. <laughs> I'm going to say it like that, you know, but that's like, that's the greatest thing, you know. I don't have to worry about it. Um, you know, if the kids want to go out to eat, I could take them out to eat. You know, if the kids, I bought my daughter some tickets to go to a musical, I mean, a musical, me and a musical. I'm like, yeah, let's go, you know. It's going to be fun. I think I'm going to like it. Like, I can't believe I'm a nerd like that, you know. Um, but thank you so much, you guys. You know, it, it, it's been an honor, and um, thank you. speaker tonight is Patrice T. Hi everyone, my name is Patrice and I'm an alcoholic. Um, so I got two messages on my way here. The first message was from my friend Constance to all of our sponsors, uh, all, all our sober sisters, and she said, um, Patrice is speaking at the scariest meeting in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> and then I, I just got a message from another friend who said, just breathe in faith and breathe out fear and know you are loved. Um, and, you know, I am so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
I want to thank Mary for asking me to come and share. This is my first meeting, live meeting, in two years. Um, I've been on crutches for two years, so I haven't really been able to do much. Um, and But I'm glad that, uh, that we had Zoom and that I had a place to go and that I wasn't alone sitting in my lazy boy with my crutch. Um, but um, um, my sobriety date is January uh, 9th, 1979, so I'm in the class of 79. Yay. Um, I, um, just to give you a little background, I come from an alcoholic household. My father was an alcoholic. I'm one of six children, um, Irish Catholic. And uh, my father um, stopped drinking when I was about five, and he um, was dry for about seven years. Um, I started drinking when I was about 13, but I always felt different, you know, like you hear that, you know, in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I, I just want to welcome the newcomers and say hi to all my friends on Zoom and um, welcome the newcomers that are on Zoom. And I hope that you find here everything that I have found here um, because I came in broken and lost and uh, not knowing how to live life. And I found all the answers. Um, I didn't know that that simple kit of spiritual tools that were laid at my feet, I didn't know that they were going to save my life. And I didn't know that those spiritual tools were spiritual. I just thought they were things that I had to do and instructions that my sponsor gave me, um, you know, go greet someone, go talk with someone, um, uh, you know, get commitments. Um, I just thought they were commitments. I didn't know that they were going to save my life. And um, my first drink was, I had, I had drank because my grandmother lived with us and she was an alcoholic and she would always say to me, I'll give you some sips of beer if you go get me another can. And so I said, yes. And uh, so, you know, I, you know, tasted beer, but it wasn't until I was 13 that I had my first sort of drunk. But it, it was the perfect, you know, I, I reached that perfect point where you know, I love what Carl Morris says. He says, you know, you know, we come in um, and everything was sort of black and white before I started drinking. And when the minute I took a drink, everything became colorful. I was at a dance. Uh, my girlfriends and I, we split, you know, alcohol. And I felt funny and outgoing and a part of and, and, and relaxed. <laughs> I felt relaxed for the first time I feel in my whole life. I just felt like I could take a deep breath. And I just remember uh, walking home with my boyfriend at the time and uh, looking at the stars. and <laughs> you know, Everything was wonderful. Um, and that was the last time that I ever had an experience like that. Um, Father Terry always talks about how, um, you know, drinking sometimes was a spiritual experience for us. And it was for me that one time, 
but I never reached that again because I always shot the, shot over the mark. Um, I always overdid it, and I remember my friends always saying, you know, Patty, why do you have to overdo everything? And I just overdid everything. And um, when I was in high school, I drank as much as I could. Um, my I used to, we used to send little notes to my to our, our you know my girlfriends in high school. And when I was when I was moving and I was going through all my things in July, I found all these notes. It was all about alcohol. When were we going to get? alcohol this weekend, who was going to get it, because we weren't of age, so we always had to try and, you know, get it from someone, and I just drank through high school, I mean, I was very outgoing, I was a cheerleader, I was into sports, and I did all of these things, but I always felt like I was trying to keep it together, that I was just trying to keep life together, and I was trying to be like you. I, I would I would look at my friends, and I, I wish that I could be like them. I never knew who I was, and I never wanted to be like me. And um, during this time, my father started drinking again, and um, it was really bad. Uh, after high school, I ended up in nursing school, and I remember thinking, I am not going to drink during the week. I'm, I'm going to study. I really wanted to be a nurse. And uh, I'm going to study. I'm going to do everything I can. And But then the weekends would come, and I was someone who, um, I always had a stomach ache. I, I think, John, you were talking about it. Thank you, John, for your share, and, and Bobby Joe, wonderful. And... Um, uh, but I was always late for work, and I worked every weekend, and I was in nursing school. Um, I was always late for work, and I always had an excuse. Um, and the hangovers that I had, and, and uh, you know, the second semester, I just started drinking during the week because I couldn't stop. And, um, you know, in my last semester of, uh, of nursing school, we were studying the social diseases of gonorrhea, syphilis, and alcoholism. And um, they had this guy come and talk with us about Alcoholics Anonymous. And I had never heard of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was sort of a room like this. And I, I remember where I was sitting. And I remember the guy that came in. I don't remember who he was or what he said. But I went up to him after the meeting, and my father had almost decapitated himself on the George Washington Bridge the week before and ended up in the emergency room while I was working there with all my friends. Uh, and I went up to him and I said, you know, my father is an alcoholic, and uh, can I have some of these pamphlets? And he gave me some of these pamphlets, and it just so happened... <laughs> that on that same day my dad was on a bus coming home from New York City and he ran into an old friend of his, Pat McIntyre. And um, Pat asked my dad if he was done and uh, because he could see how bad he looked and he said yes. And when I got home that night from school with my little pamphlets, I walked into the house and there were about three or four guys sitting around the kitchen table. And the miracle of Alcoholics Anonymous started for my father and for our family because it was destroying our family. And, um, and 
so my dad started going to AA, and um, I love, you know, I, I always love when I read the family afterwards, and it says, you know, uh, you know, the AA comes in and they become the spiritual giant, and um, well, when when we the phone rang incessantly of AA guys calling my father, um, and. We would we would uh, we would call my dad. We'd say, "God, it's for you," <laughs> because you know, three months ago he was on the floor, passed out, and now he is like this spiritual guru, um, going to AA and on this high. And but we were so happy that he was going. Uh, and I'm one of six children, and I my father. Uh, started asking me if I would go to a meeting with him uh, because he was going to take a 30-day chip. And I thought I was just going to help him and support him. Um, and I um, went, and then he said, would you come? I'm going to take a 60-day chip. And I said, yes. And a 90-day chip, yes. Six-month chip, yes. And then at a year, he celebrated his anniversary. And I never realized that I was the only child that he asked to go to meetings. I had no idea he was trying to 12-step me into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was, I was working as a nurse at this point, and I was grateful. I remember when I got this job, I wanted a daytime job, but I got an evening job, and I remember thinking to myself, good, I won't drink as much. I won't end up in the bar as much. Um, but, you know, I did steal from the hospital, and, um, you know, through AA, I was able to make those amends that, um, you know, we get to make here so that we can live uh, peacefully in harmony with the world. And I moved to California, and before I moved, my father gave me this plaque that I still have. And it was, um, it had the serenity prayer on it and the praying hands. And um, he said, you know, Pat, one day you're going to know what this means. And I left and I went to California because I felt like if I could just get away from my small town in New Jersey, I would be okay. But I it didn't end up on Rodeo Drive like, like I thought. I ended up on Western and Wilshire Boulevard, a fat speed freak, um, drinking every night, and uh, killing myself in so many ways. Um, and, you know, it took me about two or three years uh, more to get here. And during that time, I would call my father, usually at two in the morning, and I would be crying, and I'm going to kill myself, and, um, you know, crying about whatever problem I was having. And he would say to me, you know, Pat, I picked this newcomer up today, and I took him to a meeting. It was such a great meeting. And, you know, he's young like you. And I thought, he's always talking about himself. Why is he always talking about himself? Why is he not addressing my problems? And, but he never, he never said, Are you an you're an alcoholic. He, he just talked about AA. And when I did finally get sober, he said to me, all I could do was be an example, good or bad, that this program works. And if I could do that, maybe, maybe you would get here. And um, I ended up in another 12-step program on a Monday night. Um, I got a big book in a 12 and 12. Uh, they told me to 
you know, get someone to sponsor and call that person. And I went home, and on the food sheet it said, um, you can't drink for 30 days. And so when I called the woman, having had my glass of wine, I said, um, you know, it says you can't drink for 30 days, but, you know, instead of having some fruit, instead of having fruit, can I have some wine? And uh, she said, are you an alcoholic? And, and this is the magic here. I just thought this was coincidence. But she was a month sober in AA. And she said, are you an alcoholic? And I said, no. Uh, but I am going to drunk driving school tomorrow. <laughs> Does that count? And, um, and she said, why don't you meet me tomorrow night at 2 plus 2? And, um, you know, I had hit such a bottom. I, I, I hit a spiritual, emotional, mental bottom. Um, I just couldn't do life anymore. I lived in my blue bathrobe um, in my bedroom. I would go to work, and I could hardly function, and I had to take care of other patients, and I made mistakes, and I would get to work late, and I, I just was like a mess. I, I, I felt like a train wreck. Um, I love what my friend Philo says, you know, it, it takes a lot of work to keep that alcoholic train going and that alcoholism going, and it did for me. It took a lot of work. It was so hard. And when I went to that meeting on Tuesday night, now I had been to meetings with my dad, but they were always, they were so old, a lot of Irish guys, um, and just, it was a lot of old people it seemed. And when I went to this meeting, they were just all young people, and everyone was happy, and, and you know, God is love above, above the podium, and, and um, I remember Joan W. was the uh, secretary, and, and, and I just sat there, and for some reason when they asked for newcomers, I raised my hand, and I said, hi, I, my name's Patrice, I'm an alcoholic. And I still didn't know if I was an alcoholic or not. Um, when I had 15 days, um, I called my father and I said, um, Daddy, I have 15. I didn't want to tell him, like, the next day. I wanted to get a few days under my belt before, like, I told him that I was in AA. Um, and, but I called him when I had 15 days, and it was, I was out to fellowship at juniors. I went to the payphone, and, you know, it was like, what was it, 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I said, Daddy, I, I, I have 15 days sober. And he said, wow. That's great, babe. He says, uh, now you know what that prayer means. Now you know what that means. And, uh, you know, I kept going to meetings. I don't know why, uh, but I heard, I, I, I felt better after I went to meetings. And I didn't get a sponsor right away. I did everything you're not supposed to do, but I listened. And I remembered them telling me that if I drank every day, that I needed to go to a meeting every day. So I went to a meeting every single day, and um, this woman that had a month said she was my sponsor, but we were both cuckoo. And so, you know, I really didn't have a sponsor. And, um, and then I found him, Boy Meets Girl, on AA campus. And I, um, 
I am so grateful that I found him. And, I, and you know, however you stay here, it, it doesn't matter. Um, because the, I am grateful to him because he went to like 10 meetings a week. And if you're obsessed with someone, you're going to go to 10 meetings a week. You are, you are, I am dedicated. I'm following this guy. I don't think he knew he was in a relationship with me, but I knew I was in a relationship with him. Anyway, you know, at nine months, I finally, and I'm going to meetings. I have commitments. I'm sitting up front. Um, uh, I, you know, I learned all these things by listening. I listen to everyone, whether it's because I'm a good Catholic, you know, girl and, you know, 12 years of Catholic school, whatever. But I listened, and I wanted what you had. And um, when I had nine months, I hit that bottom where uh, the relationship was over, and I couldn't just stay sober on meetings. I couldn't just stay sober on going to meetings. And I went to a meeting and, um, in Brentwood. It was a women's meeting. And there was someone that was speaking. And she was Irish. And she looked like my mom. <laughs> and her name was Marianne. And I asked her if she would be my, sec my, uh, um, my sponsor. And so um, I'm very proud that I was Mary M's first baby. Um, but, uh, you know, that's when I really started to work this program. And Mary taught me so much. I mean, one, I started to work the steps. I, I wrote out my first step. It started on this uh, second step of trying to find a God of my own understanding. Um, and Mary was great because she was, she was so involved, and she would say, okay, Chuck is speaking here, we're going. Okay, Cubby's speaking here, we're going. Alabama's speaking here, we're going. And I would just follow Mary all over the place, and, and I would just have fun. I would have fun at these meetings, and I would listen to these spiritual giants that, that um, when I got sober, uh, I was in awe of. And, um, and we started working these steps, and, you know, I learned so much. I, I learned, you know, to show up that, I, you know, one of the things I learned was that I'm an example of Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I go to a meeting, um, I dress up and I look nice because I'm an example. And that may be the only time a newcomer might see you, and, um, and you want to be a good example. And... Um, and I started, um, you know, getting involved in hospital and institution. And I always remember Chuck C. used to say that God works through people. And I never understood it until it sort of started happening to me. Um, you know, when I had 30 days, I remember going to a meeting, and, and I was sitting next to this guy, and, and he says, how are you doing? I said, oh, I'm 30 days. I'm supposed to go up. It was the gong show on Thursday night, Ohio. And I thought, I said, I can't go up there and take, take a chip. I, I mean, I was terrified. And... Um, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know his name was Charlie Vick and that he had 20 years of sobriety. And so when they asked if someone has 30 days, Charlie raised my hand for me. And that's what we do for each other. Um, and I learned that early on. I learned to have a home group. And I learned why a home group is so important. 
Um, I mean, my home group moved me from one place to the other. My home group was Venice Beyond Baroque, and I was involved, and we had Christmas shows, and, and I learned that I could have fun in Alcoholics Anonymous. When I got sober, I was 23 years old, and I thought my life was over. I thought my life was over. I thought I was never going to have fun anymore because all my friends were young and, um, you know, they weren't alcoholics, but they were having fun and I was not having fun. Um, and, but, you know, I, I got involved and I learned that, you know, if I want, want to feel a part of, you know, to get a commitment and to get involved. And the, one of the most important things that I learned when I was new is they told me to take care of my alcoholism and everything else would take care of itself. Because when you're new, you have all these problems that you come in with. You know, what, what's going to happen when I get married? Am I going to be able to drink? I can't drink champagne. What am I going to do? You know, I'm not even in a relationship. Far from it. And, you know, all of those things, that all these problems that we think that we have, I, I came in with them and they just kept telling me, take care of your alcoholism and everything else will take care of itself. And um, sometimes if I had a decision to make, I remember Mary saying to me, um, uh, what did Mary say? Um, think it through like a drunk. You know, if I had to make a decision, she would say, think it through like a drunk, you know. What do you have to do? It ha and, and I would have to think things through to see if that was the right decision to make. Uh, and I remember this one woman saying to me, make a decision to not make any decision. And all of these things are spiritual tools that I learned along the way, but I didn't know they were spiritual. I didn't know. I just thought that they were things that I was being taught to help me get through the day. And... Um, I remember my first spiritual experience really was when I had a year and I was uh, one of the hostesses with the mostess at Palm Springs Roundup and um, Lois W. spoke and Chuck C. was there and we held hands at the end and I remember feeling this power and, and seeing it in the room of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and people continue to, you know, uh, people continue to help me through uh, my life. I remember when I had three years of sobriety, I had a problem. I have no idea what the problem was, but I called this woman and she said, you know, I have the perfect solution for you. And I said, what? She said, um, I have a panel up in Ventura County at the women's prison and I need someone to do a year's commitment. How is this going to help me with my problem? But of course I didn't say that. I just said, okay. And I started doing that commitment. And that commitment helped me because I, I had a lot of anxiety in my early years of sobriety. I was fearful of people. Um, and I still would sometimes say I had an upset stomach instead of going to a party because it, I just was too... It was too scary for me. And, um, uh, and, but, you know, I had to, you know, when, you, when you're driving up to Ventura with a carload of people, you actually have to talk to them. 
And, you know, it helped me move past that fear. So all of these things that I'm learning in Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm able to carry into my own life and find out that fear um, can be removed, uh, you know, by doing these things in AA. Uh, you know, for years I would say, am I ever going to meet someone, blah, 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 blah. And my sponsor... Kathleen would always say to me, you just keep going to meetings, you just keep showing up, you keep being of service, learn how to have relationships with other people. <laughs> and and that's what I did. I, I just kept, you know, and I would still, my, Kathleen used to say to me, be a winner, not a whiner. Well, I guess that meant that I was a whiner. So I said, well, I better be a winner. And, um, you know, all of these little things that have helped me along the way. And, you know, we get to live life on life's terms. I, um, I continued, you know, I, I've always stayed, a part, uh, uh, you know, in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I went through a tough time, you know, between seven and ten years. And, and, you know, and then, you know, I was still going to meetings, but I had to, I, I saw that I was having all these physical problems. And I remember going to this doctor and him saying to me, it seems like you have no purpose in life. Oh. My primary purpose is to stay sober and help another alcoholic. Wow. I forgot my purpose. And all of a sudden, you know, at 10 years sober, I had to recommit myself to Alcoholics Anonymous. And there are many times that I've had to recommit myself, whether it's get another commitment, get another sponsee, um, write another 10th step, write another inventory. Uh, I've, I've had to work these steps. I've had to use these tools to get me through life because life is not easy sometimes. And, you know, I finally met, um, when I was 19 years sober, I met my best friend, love of my life. Uh, we got married. Um, you know, all these dreams that I had, I got married in my mother's wedding gown, um, you know, in my hometown, and, but, you know, you have the best of times and the worst of times. My mother was in a coma in the ICU, so I visit her in the morning, and then I get married, and then the next day, my dad's celebrating 25 years sober and asks my husband and I to, to share at his anniversary meeting in New Jersey, and, um, you know, I get to live life on life's terms, the good, the bad, the ups and downs, but the constant in my life is Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, my husband and I, we had 17 wonderful years together. He was in AA. He had a great group of guys that, you know, he worked with. Um, uh, he had health issues, and I was able to give him a kidney, and, and he had eight more years of life. And, and, um, and, and then in... Uh, January, yesterday, he was seven years that he that he passed, and I thought my life was over. I, I, I remember thinking, I know he's going to die, and I thought, how am I going to get through this? And I thought, I have AA. I'm going to be okay. I am going to be okay. And um, I remember talking to Kathleen at the time, and. I said to her, you know, I find myself going to a meeting every day. I feel like a newcomer. I, I feel so lost again. 
And she said, well, this is, you know, you get to do what you did as a newcomer. You get to do all of these things that you did as a newcomer. Show up every day, get commitments, say hi to people, sponsor people. And early on, a couple of days after Dallas died, I opened my dad's big book. And in there, there was this um, pamphlet that he had in there. And it had the third step prayer, seventh step prayer, eleventh step prayer, and it had the promises, you know, one, two, three. And I started reading the promises every day because it was so painful, the grief. And I needed to I needed that hope that as a newcomer you need to have when you come into Alcoholics Anonymous, or even when you're going through a tough time, you need to have that hope that you're going to get through it. And I knew I was going to get through it uh, because I learned that, I remember Mary saying to me years ago, I remember saying to her, why, did I, why is this happening? And she said, you know what, honey, I don't know. Maybe the only reason is because one day you're going to be able to tell a newcomer that you got through this and you got to the other side. And I started reading those promises every day. Honestly, I needed to know that I, had a, that, that I would have a new freedom and a new happiness, that I would not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it, that I would comprehend the word serenity and I would know peace again. And, it, you know, at six months, a friend of mine's husband died. And I remember thinking, oh, can I go to someone else's service? But... What Mary had taught me years before is you get to share with someone else that you've gone through it and you, you are walking through something difficult. And I went to that service and when my friend called me two weeks later and said, I don't know how I'm going to get through another day. And I said to her, why don't you start reading the promises? Because they helped me so much. Alcoholics Anonymous has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams, not just on the outside, but on the inside. I didn't even know who I was when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. And it took, and it's not like I came in here and searched for myself. I had to search for myself in, in you, in these meetings. And and I had to get out of myself, and I so self self-centered and selfish. And everything that I learned in those early years, I have been able to use during these difficult times. I have had to go back to basics, go to a meeting every day, stay in contact with my sober sisters, um, pray. Uh, um, right, my, my sponsor Kathleen is, is really good about, let's put pen to paper here. Let's write about it. And um, I will tell you, about two years ago, I fractured my hip, and um, I have been on crutches for two years. <laughs> um, and not easy, not easy on crutches and in pain for two years. But the most wonderful thing happened because I couldn't really get to meetings and it's a terrible thing, this pandemic. And I know people have really suffered and it's been a big struggle. 
But for me, it has saved me uh, because I have been able to be on Zoom. And when the, when the pandemic hit, I started these women's meetings uh, because I used to work with my patients on Zoom all the time, so I was really comfortable with Zoom. And you know, these meetings are still going on now. Um, and I didn't have time to think about myself, my pain, blah, 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 blah. I just didn't have time to think about that stuff when you're getting a, a, you know, a speaker and a leader for this meeting and that meeting and, and, um, and you know, you're working with people and you're talking to your sober sisters and, and it was hard. It was, I don't know how I got through it, honestly. But the one, the, the, the way I did get through it and this, this I learned early on in my sobriety, is that I, I only have today, that if I can get through today and put my head on the pillow sober, I'm a success. We're all a success. And I stayed in today. I would say to myself, I wonder when I'm going to walk again. And I would say, well, I don't have to think about that today because it's not here. And I couldn't work as a nurse anymore, and so um, I couldn't stay in the house that I that my late husband and I bought in the 90s. And so I had to um, sell my home. And but I never did any of this alone. I called my sober sisters, and when I was selling this home, and I had to pack this up on crutches, in pain, they came and helped me. And I, I have never had to do anything alone. And if you're new, you never have to do anything alone. Um, and the one thing that I did, because those last few months before I actually moved out of the house were so hard, getting, ugh, so hard. And I remember talking to my friend Barbara, and I said, I am using every tool in the toolbox today just to try and get through today. And that meant uh, calling people, praying like I've never prayed before, um, and just trying to get through that day. And I was able to get through that day, and um, I have no idea where I'm going. I'm staying at a friend's apartment, but it's okay. It's all okay um, because I'm sober and I um, continue to find uh, peace of mind and um, people that I, that I get to know and feel comfortable with on Zoom. Um, yesterday, a friend of mine from London uh, sent me a message. Hey, Mary's speaking in, in London. You want the ID? Yeah. So I got to hear Mary uh, do six and seven. I don't even know where the meeting was. But, uh, you know, I have fun in Alcoholics Anonymous. I have fun in my life. I have a lot of problems that are not resolved. I don't know when they're going to be resolved. But I don't have to figure it out. Because I have, you know, I took the third step. I took that third step with Mary. I took it with my sponsor, Kathleen. Um, and I have been able to turn my will and my life over to God. I don't have to figure these things out. All I have to do is take care of my alcoholism, and everything else will take care of itself. And I continue to do that one, one day at a time. Um, and I get to breathe in faith and breathe out fear 
like my friend said when she sent me that text message tonight. And I get to know that I don't ever have to do this alone. I have found a God of my own understanding in these rooms. Um, it took a long time to seek that God. I still seek God. I still read my little spiritual books in the morning. I say my little prayers in the morning. I do the same things that I learned years ago that Mary taught me. And I continue to do those things because if I keep that, if I keep those things you know, in my life on a regular basis, I can handle anything. I can handle anything one day at a time. And so um, recently my, my sponsor, uh, we have this meeting, and we've been reading the Alan McGinnis uh, um, pamphlet on um, a member's eye view of Alcoholics Anonymous. We've been reading through the book, and then we did, you know, we've been reading through everything. And, and I loved at the very end of Member's Eye View, and, and he says, you know, someone asks him, what did you find here in Alcoholics Anonymous? And he said, I found that the blind can see, the lame can walk, and people like you and I can live life. Enjoy it, have fun, and find peace. And you've given that to me. Alcoholics Anonymous has given me everything, and I am very grateful. Thank you.